All right, well, we started a series uh, several weeks ago called The Choice to Rejoice. That's what we called it. And I believe this is part four. Let's look at, uh, uh, excuse me, Philippians 4 4. Philippians 4 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say, Rejoice. Now, we're going to come back to that in the New King James here in a minute. But in the Amplified, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. That word, rejoice, just in the English, it has to do with uh, expressing joy, great delight, triumph. It is an expression uh, uh, of gladness. And Paul said, do it all the time. Rejoice in the Lord all the time, he said. And again, he said it, rejoice. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Read another scripture that we've been uh, reading to start out with. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And it's just saying in verse 8, even though you haven't seen Jesus, you believe, and so you rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory. You rejoice with joy. Now let's go back to uh, Philippians 4.4. And uh, we're going to read past Philippians 4.4 and go into some further context as we get into what we have for tonight. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing this. And as we mentioned, there's... Uh, in Philippians, it's over and over. It says rejoice, joy. Those words are used over and over. Verse 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, as we're going through this, I want you to notice something here. This is all in the same context. We start out, it said, rejoice in the Lord. Now, verse 6, it's talking about being anxious for nothing. Verse 7 then says, the peace of God, if you do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. Talking about peace here. Now let's keep going. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, 
if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you, telling you what, you, what to think on. It talks about here, it says, and the God of peace is going to be with you. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at, your, at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in these last few verses, he says, I've learned to be content no matter what's going on. And then when, it, when you use this verse right here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's in this context. He says, I've been, no matter what's going on, I've learned to be content. And that's when he said, you know, we can, this verse applies, you know, in any context. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You put the focus on him. But in the context, it's say, he's saying, man, I've, I've had nothing. I've had everything. I've learned to be content wherever I am. And then he says, because I can do everything that I need to do through Christ who strengthens me. But what I want you to see here in, in this context, I mean, this is loaded. This, just, this is even just part of the chapter. This chapter is loaded, just these verses. You know, there's some highlighting you can do in these verses or underlining if, if you haven't done some in your Bible. But it talks about, again, over and over in, in Philippians, he's talking about rejoicing. And we've talked you know, several, several different times about rejoicing and rejoicing always and that it's a choice and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Here he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always, and immediately he starts talking about peace. And he says, Let, uh, don't be anxious for anything. Bring everything before God. He said, the peace of God will surround you. And then he starts talking about being content in anything. Let's just look at verse 11. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's look at those verses right there in the NIV. Philippians 4.11 in the NIV, it says, I am not saying this because I am need, because they, they were uh, giving to him. And uh, that you're, they're, they're giving some, some him some financially. But he said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now he's to say, if, and we're going to get into this a little bit, Paul went through so many things. In fact, let's just jump down and we'll come back just so you have some context of what Paul was going through. Can you jump down, we'll come back up to where we are now, but can you jump down to 2 Corinthians 11? 
2 Corinthians 11, verse 22, Paul is talking about the different things that, that he's gone through. And uh, right before this, you know, he, he's talking about the, these, these people that came in that were trying to exercise authority um, over the Corinthians. They, they were talking, and he's, he's getting in there and going, these people, you know, you got to watch out what they're doing, and uh, they're, they're comparing themselves to Paul. And so he starts saying, look, I don't want to be a fool. But look, here's my qualifications. He goes, this is foolish. But I shouldn't be talking like this. And you'll see he says that. He goes, but here's my resume. If you want to talk about who's done what, that's foolish. But anyway, since they're being foolish, okay, if I'm going to talk like a fool, here's some of the stuff I've done. And verse 22, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. See, parentheses, he goes, I shouldn't be doing this, this is stupid. But he goes, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. That means beatings, stripes, like across your back, bleeding. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. So what does that mean? Well, Paul, he was stoned, and they left him for dead. I mean, if you're going to stone somebody, I would think they'd try to make sure the job was done. But it says the disciples came out, gathered around, and he, he raised up. But he was in places that his, he, his life was on the line all the time. Verse 24, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So five times he got beaten with 39 lashes. 25, verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. You ever been beaten with rods? I haven't. I don't want to. It doesn't sound good. Once I was stoned. Never done that either. Don't want to. Have a rock thrown at your head many times, many rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Just raise your hand. If, it, if, this, if you qualify for any of these, just go ahead and raise your hand. You online, you can just type in and say, yeah, I've done that. Actually, I, I can beat Paul. I've done that ten times. You can do that if you want. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I have been in the deep. Ever, anybody spent been uh, had a sleepover in the ocean in the water verse 26 in journeys often in perils of water and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils perils of the gentiles and perils of the city in perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren in weariness and toil in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Verse 28, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Verse 29, who is weak and I am not weak? In other words, who's felt pressure like this? Who has felt weak and I haven't? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? So he's saying, look, this is in a different place, but this is listing all the stuff Paul has gone through. So it's not like Paul just, you know, walking down the sidewalk on a sunny, sunny day and that represents his life and that's all he's done and go, you know what? Rejoice always. Because, you know, when you're walking down the, the street in a nice day and it's 75 degrees outside and there's a nice little breeze, rejoice. Because that's what my life's been. And, you know, what? You have a problem? I haven't ever had any problems. So you rejoice and be at peace and oh, be content. That's not his life. When the, the man that's writing what we're talking about in Philippians is this guy. And I dare say there's nobody online and nobody in this room 
that has gone through a fraction of the stuff that he has. He went through some stuff, so he, he knows what it's like to get pressed. Let's go back and look. Then uh, let's read Philippians 4.11 in the NIV. And then we'll go and read another uh, translation. But I just want you to see in context, or I mean, in context what Paul is saying here, but who is doing the saying. Verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So when he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, he's talking about what we just read. Doesn't matter if I'm in the ocean, doesn't matter if I'm in prison, doesn't matter if people just beat the tar out of me, if, you know, they whipped my back or they beat me with rods or they stoned me, left me for dead. He's saying, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He said, when I don't have anything, he talked about that, when I'm hungry and thirsty, when I have plenty. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's look at verse 11 in the Amplified Classic. It says, not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I, am, I have learned to be content satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Now, I want you to see something here as we've read, you know, this portion of Scripture. He talked about rejoicing, and he said, do it all the time. Then he said, be anxious for nothing. You know, we spent a whole series on that. And he says, whatever it is, bring it to God. And he said, the peace of God will surround you. So he said, be anxious for nothing. Well, that would mean don't be anxious at all anytime. Just like he said, rejoice all the time. Well, that would mean be the opposite of anxious would be be at peace all the time. And then he said, I've learned in every circumstance to be content. Does being content have anything to do with having joy and having peace? If, if you were to say, I, I'm, I'm full of joy and full of peace, but man, I'm totally discontented, does that line up? Now, when you look up joy, it's, it, it's a, a state of happiness or state of bliss. Now, joy, we're talking about the joy of the Lord, that's an internal force. But when you're talking about you, that, you, you're not upset when you're in joy. And actually, a, it's, the dictionary talks about something related is warm fuzzies. Like, when you're in joy, warm fuzzies is lined up with that. Discontented is not. I, you know, if you're, if you're at a state, in a state of joy, think about being joyful, rejoicing, and then right on the other side saying, oh, but I'm really discontented right now, too. Do those line up? They don't line up. So contentment goes with 
this all goes together. The fact that Paul can say, I'm content. Well, he just got done saying, I'm rejoicing all the time, and I'm at peace. He's telling you what to do. I, I, I walk in peace. Peacefulness has a, a component, and it's related to being contented. Contentment. If you're at peace, you know, you're at peace by the fireside reading a book, but you're just discontented. Does that give the right picture? You know, if you're at peace, that lines up with being contented. And joy and peace are seen together and uh, over and over in the Word. And that these are related, and they're related to our contentment. If we're not content in a situation, we should check our joy, and we should check our peace. What, are we... Are we yielding to joy? Are we yielding to peace? Because if that's the case, we can be content right in the middle of something that most people would say, there's no way you can be content. We're not saying we're content with every circumstance. I mean, you're not content because of the situation. I, no more than Paul was content that he was in prison. He's not saying, I just love it that I'm in prison. In the middle of prison, he could be content. In the middle of the fact that he just got stoned, he said, I could be content in any circumstance. Not say we're thankful for that, but being content, regardless of what's going on, is related. These are all related together. Romans 14, let's re just read a few verses to this effect. Romans 14, 17. says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. They put right next to it, peace and joy. Look at Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The first one's love, second one's Joy, third one's peace. Right there again together. Joy and peace. Those are the fruit of the Spirit, which means if we're born again, if we trusted Jesus, confessed Him as our Lord and Savior, these, these are fruit of our recreated spirit. Our, our, our recreated new man on the inside, joy and peace, you have them. They're there but we need to let them dominate us. We need to yield to them. But they, they go together, and they are always, always there. Let's look at Isaiah 55, 8. This, this portion of Scripture is so good. I want to get to verse 12, but I put this other in just so you can see all this that's in there. 
50, Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That doesn't mean God just doesn't tell us anything. God has written his, has given his word. Men wrote the word as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The written word of God. In his ways, a lot of what, not a lot, a portion of God's thoughts are in the word of God. Any part of the word of God, those are his thoughts. They're not everything he knows, obviously. But he hasn't told us nothing. But the Word of God has been revealed to us so we can know what God wanted us to know. We don't have to act like that's not there, like that's not true. What he said in his Word, we can rely on and we can count on. But everything that God knows in his, overall his ways, they're higher than man's ways. But that doesn't mean they're unknowable. If he revealed them to us, he wants us to know. So in any place where we can find his word, that means we can act on it and, and we can act like it's true. We can bank on it. Because some you know, people will use phrases like God works in mysterious ways, like we just don't know. But what they're saying to, in the midst of saying that is, is saying something that's not scriptural. They'll say, well, we don't know why this happened, but God works in mysterious ways. Well, sometimes they're, they're conveying that God did something when clearly in the Word it says He wouldn't do that. So they're violating scripture by saying something like that. No, what God revealed to us, we can count on Him. If He told us, then we can count on Him and, and believe that. But He is higher than... Overall, we need to understand God knows what we don't know. God works at a plane higher than us. He's going to work with us, but we don't know like He knows. That's okay. We don't have to. You know what we need to do? Trust Him. Trust His Word. Because, you, it, I mean, that's good news. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know Him. He knows everything, and if you do what He knows, what He tells you to do, you don't have to know everything. It's like, you know, everybody uses maps, like, on their phone now. You know, when we first moved out here, how many years ago? 14? Literally, you know, this is before we didn't have a GPS. They had GPS, but we didn't have it in their car. And, you know, if you had the maps online, you'd have to print it out. But we had, we bought a big book of, of uh, it, it had every town in Massachusetts, because we, you know, going around these different ones, and the roads are not square at all. I mean, they're like based on cow pass or whatever from whatever. You go out to the Midwest, you know, because they've been created more recently, everything's a grid, which is nice. I mean, not knocking what's out here. It's been here for hundreds of years more. I mean, it just, you know, everything was there. There's houses there. You can't just plow everything over. But, I mean, to find anything? I mean, some of you all grew up here, so you, you know. But when we first moved out here and started to drive around, we were like, couldn't find anything. If you, we would get out, even in Andover, Andover's pretty good size. But you get out, and if you, if you don't have a map, 
and you don't know the roads, you're done. Because nothing is like, you know, square, parallel, anything like that. Yeah, there's places, there's the street signs. So you're just, you know, you can get to where you don't know where you are real quick. Well, the thing is, if you're listening to the person that has the map, whether it's, you know, on your phone now or whatever, you don't have to know where you are. Do you? As long as you, as long as somebody knows where you are, if the person next to you has got it, oh yeah, turn left here, you know, turn right, whatever. No, not yet. Two miles. Now this thing, these can be wrong too. That's a whole other issue. You know, you're listening to it. Nobody's ever been bit by that, right? I mean, we would, you're going, I, I turned where it told me to turn. It's not here. This is an empty lot. No, this is, you're saying you're, you've arrived at your destination. No, we haven't. Okay, that's a whole other thing. But let's say, you know, you're dealing with the right thing. You don't need to know where you're at as long as somebody in the car knows where you're at and is telling you. All you need to know is you're telling me where to go, right? Well, in life, we don't need to know everything. We just need to know what God tells us and need to know what he's telling us. He knows everything. We don't need to. And if we'll listen to him, we'll be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, and we don't have to know anything. Anyway, we could preach a whole thing on this. Let's, let's move past this. But this whole part's rich, too. But notice, this is all before. This, this whole part is just talking about the abundance and help of God. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So we pray. That's why we pray beforehand. So if we get and touch on some things we didn't need to attend on touching, that's okay. We just believe God. We're going to go with Him. Verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Verse 12, you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. There it is again, together. Joy and peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Joy and peace. Peace and joy together. We're to rejoice in the Lord, to have joy in the Lord all the time. We're to be anxious for nothing, and if we'll rely on God, we can have His peace, and that can lead us to being content. See, contentment is not a station in life. It's a lie to believe that if something were different in your life, you would be content. Now, I'm not saying, we're not making light of any challenge we may face, okay? There are challenges that are heavy duty, that are coming out. That's why I read what Paul went through. We're not talking about, oh, light and fluffy, everything, you know, Pollyanna, everything is just great no matter what. No, things can press hard. But that doesn't mean we can't be content. Amen. 
That's what the Word says. It's not, this is not Jim Preston speaking. Okay? Paul the Apostle that went through trial after trial, he's the one that said, in any circumstance, I'm content. If we think that if only such and such were different, then I would be content, then I would be happy, then I would be at peace, we're believing a lie. And, and you know, the thoughts will come, well, surely, this, if this were different, then I could be at peace. It's simply not true. Things would be different, and we may, it's not that we wouldn't want things to be different, but if we fall into, if this were different, I, I, I would be content, then what we say is, I cannot be content today until this changes. And it can be a station of life. It can be, you know, getting a certain job, like station of life saying, you know, I'm a student, but I want to be out of the house, or I want to be graduated from college, or you know, I want to be married, or I want to have kids, or I want to have grandkids, or I want to live somewhere else. If we think it's something like that, then, then what we say is, I can't be content. I can't be in joy. I can't be in peace. Now, that's what we said. And if it's something that we can't control, we just said, there is no way I will ever be content. But that's a lie. We're believing a lie. And there will always be something that will try to steal our joy, steal our peace, and say, well, you know, you can't be content right now. Even in circumstances that are less than ideal, even when circumstances are not what we'd like, we can still tap into the contentment that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm content here. It's not the way that I like what's going on, but I choose, like we talked about, to rejoice. I choose to let your peace dominate, and I choose now to be content and let contentment surround my being. Contentment permeate my life. Now, Everybody say now. But all these three are related. Our joy. If you have joy and peace, you're going to be content. It's going to follow. When we say, I can't, I can't, I, I'm not joyful now. I can't, well, we just, we, we basically said, I, I, I can't be content. I'm not at peace. I can't be at peace. So we're saying, and I, therefore I can't be content. And it's a, uh, a relation. Let's look at um, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. It says, Now godliness with contentment, just a couple verses speaking about contentment. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Talking about material things here. But this principle applies wherever. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich, or to be richer, you could say, to have more, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You know, we were talking about on, on Sunday, just ideas of men and some of men's sayings. One, of, one thing that people repeat that's not in the Bible is money is the root of all evil. They'll say that. 
money is the root of all evil. That's not what this verse said. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's the love of money. It's not money. Money's inanimate. But the love of it, and it's not that the love of money is the root of every kind of evil. That means all kinds. All kinds of evil. People mess themselves up left and right because they're trying to get after something that they don't have. In the extreme, they're robbing or stealing or they're holding somebody up, you know, or robbing a bank or get put in jail for trying to get more of something. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have, uh, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But go back to verse 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we, cannot, we can't carry anything out. With having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now, you could apply this to any area. Paul was using a similar thing. He said, I know, to have a, I know how to have a lot. I know how to have little. But I'm content wherever I am. Well, we can look at the circumstance, whether it's monetary or something else, and say, I'm going to be content where I am. I'm going to enjoy. That doesn't mean I'm satisfied with everything, but I can be content. And Paul wasn't saying I'm satisfied with having nothing. He just said, I'm content. In other words, I, my sufficiency isn't in what I see. It's in God, and I can be content here. Now I can have joy. I can have peace. Not that I'm staying here, but I can be content. I might be passing through. You know, I, I, when I, before I was married, I wanted to be married. I mean, it was a desire of my heart. And I sure didn't do that perfect as far as, you know, there was times I was feeling lonely or feeling sorry for myself. Well, you know, where's my wife? Well, she's right there. <laughs> 22 years, you know, we've, we've known each other for 22 years. But beforehand, you know, there, there's some times, honestly, I wasted some time at certain times, whether it was a Friday and you know, I'd work, just being honest with you, you know, work in the week, get done and be like, well, I wish I had somebody to go out with, you know, but I don't. It's a Friday night. Well, that was a waste. Because now, I mean, I have a beautiful family, a beautiful wife, and I can spend time with them, but that was, that was just a waste. See, I could have been, I wasn't satisfied. I, I didn't, I, it wasn't that I wanted to stay single my whole life. That wasn't a desire of my heart. But while I was there, I could have been more content. I could have had more joy. I mean, there were times, I'm just telling you, I didn't do it perfect. I still got my wife. Thank God. God's merciful. I didn't have to just, you know, speak everything perfect and, you know, do everything and man, no, I still got married. God was still great. Shipped her in from Oklahoma to Nebraska. I didn't have to do everything perfect, but I could have been, my point is, I could have been content. I didn't have to say, you know what, I just have to embrace everything where I am and I'm going to become, you know, a hermit and never get married because I have to, no, I, I didn't have to do that. Just being content doesn't mean you say everything is just the way you want it. You know, I don't have kids, so I'm just going to be content here, but that means I'm never going to have kids. No, that's not true. But you can be content while you don't because there's just other things when you do. You know, you got to deal with other stuff. So be content. You know, people, it, there's, a, there's a, a blessing with being single. At times you can do things you can't be, so you can enjoy that part. Doesn't mean you have to be hooking up there forever. But you can be content. You know, you're going to school right now, just want to get out and get a job. Well, be content where you are. You can be content and have joy and have peace. Well, you know, the money is not quite where we want it to be right now. Well, 
We know what God's Word says. We can believe what God's Word says. But on the other hand, right now, we can still be content and enjoy what we have right now, where we're at. And not, you're, not, you're not camping there. doesn't mean even any more than Paul was saying. He said, I learned how to be abased, learned how to abound. That doesn't mean he said, I learned to be abased, and I decided to park there and never go anywhere else. He just said he was passing through. He dealt with some stuff. He was hard, hard enough to just go through and believe God anyway. And regardless of what was going on, he went through. And he went over. And he was content in the midst of whatever. Hebrews 13.5 says, let, the, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, God is with us no matter, no matter what is going on. The Bible said you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet he is with you there. In the middle of something that bad, God's with you. And that, see, that's what we have to focus on is, Lord, you're with me if I have you I have whatever I need. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to see everything. I'm not camping where I am. I'm not going to set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going through. While I'm walking, I can be content here because you're with me. I can have joy here because you're here. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy and peace. So I can do it not because of what I see, not because of what's going on, not embracing that, but I can still be content, and when I get to their side, I'll still be content. Not go, oh man, now I can start being content. I just wasted some of my life. Can't get it back. Anytime that I decide I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm not going to you know, be in joy, be in peace, and, and be in contentment, I cannot come back after whatever I'm waiting for is resolved. I can't come back and say, well, now I'm going to be content. No, there's been part, there's been trials. Every one of us has gone through stuff and not making light of anything, because there are pressures on this earth. But regardless, in the middle of it, we can be more content. We can say, Lord, I'm not thanking you for the situation, but I'm thanking you for you, and I'm thanking you for what you, who you are, and I'm thanking you that regardless, even if stuff on this earth doesn't work out perfectly, I know my future is to be with you, and so right now, I'm not going to waste this time, I'm not going to waste this day, I'm not going to waste this hour, I'm going to be in joy and peace, and I'm going to be content right here. Lord, help me to do it. I thank you for your grace to help me. See, that's where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I've learned to be content when it was hard and I didn't have stuff. I learned to be content when I had more than enough. That's the context where he said, I can do all things. He said, I can be content in the middle of hell on earth. That's what the Bible said. You go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm there with you. Amen. Regardless, he's there. He said, the Lord, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6 says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I can boldly say, Lord, you're my helper, you're my confidence, you're my strength, you're my comforter. Lord, I just choose to be with you and to be aware of you and to be content, be in joy, be in peace. That triad, be, be strong, 
He is faithful.